1: Welcome back to the Red X podcast. My name is Haley Johnson. I'm going to be your host today. I am so excited for this episode. We've got Curtis Fenn with us. Hey, Curtis. Hey, Haley. How's it going? This is um, special because we have the president of Red X with us on our, on our podcast. So this is really exciting. We have a Q&A type style of podcast today. Um, We sent out an email with a survey that people could ask any question they want for the president of Red X. So if you didn't get that email, you're not signed up for our emails, you can go to the redx.com forward slash podcast, put your email in and you'll get all sorts of emails about the podcast when we go live and links to surveys if you want to contribute. But let's get started. Curtis, I've known you for a while. Uh, but for people that are watching, I mean, you're you're not new to Red X. So I'd love to hear a little bit of your bio, how long you've been at Red X, stuff like that. Okay.
0: Sure. Um, I've been here for almost 16 years. So I Ooh. I since Red X was kind of a, a thought, right? Um and, and through that time, we have helped a lot of real estate agents build their business. Um, we've helped a lot of agents graduate from prospecting uh, because because if you prospect long enough, you build a sphere of influence that creates sustainable business, which which is really our goal, which is to help people build sustainable and, and profitable businesses uh, that consistently bring in business so that you don't have to always wonder where the next deal is coming from.
1: I love that. I think that is exactly what this podcast tries to do as well, to help agents uh, do do the right things to, to have a better business. So that's awesome. I think we're going to get into a little bit more of that. Um, for everybody that's watching live, you can also put in your comments, questions, things like that in the chat while we go through this. But uh, just to start, um, there is a question that kind of talks about what you're talking about which is what are some of the best activities uh, that give the best ROI? So I think that's a good little starter question. Um, And and you're talking about how how real estate agents can be successful. Um, I think you also, in your history of of talking to so many real estate agents, you also know what doesn't work, right? So I think I want to hear a little bit more about that, about the activities that do work and maybe the mindset or things that don't work.
0: Yeah. So I'd like to answer that in two parts. The first part is really my experience um, in a business with a team and and, um, even even then expectations that I have for my team. So if you're a team leader or if you wear all of the hats of your business, this would be relevant. But the activities that you should spend your time on have to be um, correlated to what your mission is or what your goals are in a business. And if you don't know what those goals are, or if you have this kind of ethereal goal of making money and being successful, uh, you're going to get lost in what your activities are. So as a real estate agent, if you don't first sit down and say, what am I trying to do? And not just, I'm trying to get my next transaction, but what am I trying to do with a business? What am I going to do in five years, right? Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in 10 years? And what am I building this to? And I would suggest if you don't have any place to start, start with this idea. How do you build a business that doesn't require you to be doing all of the work all of the time? That that should be hmm. one of your goal. And then you can write, what does that look like? Because if you then know that, and then you can break that down, <clears throat> excuse me, and say, well, that's what I want in five years. Well, what are you doing in the next 12 months to accomplish that? And then you break it down to what am I doing right now? Like, what do I do today that will drive me towards that goal? That's the activities that are gonna drive you to that. So, Hmm. if you're going backwards as a real estate, now, now, now I'm getting into part two, which is all of the experience of talking to hundreds of thousands of real estate agents and what works and what doesn't work in their business is once you know what you wanna build, you have to work backwards from that. And I would say, <clears throat> if you wanna build a business that doesn't require you doing all the work, you have to have a huge sphere of influence. You have to have a huge database, you know, CRM, you know, whatever you wanna call what everybody calls it, circle of influence. You have to have a bunch of past clients. You have to have a bunch of business contacts that are going to refer business to you. That's the number one source of business you want because it's the easiest, highest return on your investment. I mean, if, if you called me um, and well, we, we did do this, right. Haley, you, you bought a house recently, right. And it was like, Hey, um, I referred you to a mortgage person and I don't even know if you used him. So let's not go there. He might (laughs) be watching. Right. But you know, so I referred you to my guy um, and that, that that's an easy thing for him. Right. Because I think we texted, it was like, Hey, you know, so-and-so meet Haley, Haley meet so-and-so you guys should work together. Right. And, and that's like, that's what you want in your business as a real estate agent. So if you want that, how do you expedite building that? Yeah. And there's a lot of philosophies around that. We happen to believe the fastest way to do that is pick up the phone, talk to people who are trying to sell their home. FISBOS, expires, canceled. people who've recently taken off the market, old expires, people who tried to sell before and they don't realize they have tons more equity than they did two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Call those people and have a ton of conversations so that you can meet people and try to get appointments to get the listing, to get your now business, but form a relationship to put them in your network of people that will eventually um, refer business to you.
1: I like this because there was another question asked by Chris and he was asking, um, let me try to find it. He, oh, he said, um, how should I get a database if I'm in a new area? Which is exactly what we're talking about, right? So.
0: Well, step one is if he's not subscribing, Chris, you got to subscribe um, and you've got to call, you've got to talk to a lot of people and <clears throat> and you could start with leads. It's a very easy sale. There's still low inventory despite interest rates going up. We're still, we're still in this spot where there's, you know, we went from 40 offers to eight offers, but there's still multiple offers. Oh yeah. And so, you know, there's this inventory thing, call you know, geo leads and they'll tell you, well, I don't want to sell my home. And you go, Great. But do you mind if we keep in touch and I can keep you up to date on what's going on in your neighborhood? Yeah. They go, Yeah. Over time, eventually, when they think real estate, they're going to think Chris because he's the one that's continuing to follow up with them, right? Mm -hmm.
1: That's perfect. Also, another question that kind of goes to this as well is, what do I focus on as a new agent? Or, oh, Jesse asked, what products do you recommend for a new agent? So I'm assuming you would recommend Geoleads.
0: Well, I I would say um, I would recommend in this order. Okay. and and the order is based on your how thick your skin is I, I don't know if that's the right way to say it It's really about how much rejection can you tolerate probably is because we're in a business where people are going to tell you no right yep. and if you're afraid of that, it's going to take a really long time to build that database up because you're you're only waiting for people to come to you and you're doing a lot of passive marketing you know, waiting for people to be like, hey, you're an agent, Haley, you know, how can I help? So, <clears throat> um, so you have to deal with rejection. If you're nervous about that, or you don't have a lot of experience or skill with that, then I would definitely start with leads, because people aren't yelling at you, right? Yep. You're calling for a very specific reason, I'm calling to give you information about your neighbor right? Who just recently listed or just sold your home. I'm calling to let you know about an open house going on in your neighborhood, or mm-hmm. I'm calling because you have a three bedroom, two bath, and I have a buyer that wants to buy in your area. So that's an easy call. An expired, you know, you have to have thick skin for an expired. Yeah. So geo leads uh, for rent by owners, which are landlords of vacant rentals. Um, there, That's a business conversation, very easy um you're not going to it's not a lot of rejections it's just i ah, now and i'm not interested then FISBOs, then expireds right um is you have to have the thickest skin but you know what's funny about that order it's also the order of of roi potential that you get mm-hmm. every single expired is trying to sell their home right not every geo lead is and so so you you kind of go through that order
1: Yeah, I think leads is more of like the long game uh, because a lot of people use it to just build up their relationships and get more people in their database and things like that. Hopefully get more people to their open houses and get leads that way. But um, yeah, I think that that's great. Uh, Speaking of expireds, Robert asked on Facebook, he said, are there expired leads in today's market? Which I think... I mean, we've experienced because it's such low inventory that there's this this misconception that there are no expired listings, nothing is going off of the market, uh, stuff like that. So what about that? Yeah,
0: great question. Um, I I have been around long enough doing this, that that's the same conversation we had with people in 2005 and six, right? Mm -hmm. Is there's no expires right now (laughs) that everything is selling. Yeah. and they were wrong then and they're wrong now, right? There, There is a tremendous amount of properties that are expiring. <clears throat> and there's there's really two reasons because I, I don't want to create other concerns for people, but um, I'm sure somebody, if they ask, they probably ask this is, um, yeah, but the people who are expiring in this market, like, do you really want to go after them? Yeah, They go, well, th- yes, because, you know, human nature is to save face, right? I'm going to tell an agent I, it's worth more. It's worth this price. The market's hot. I'm going to take a gamble and list high, right? It doesn't sell. Well, the second time around, they're much more willing to listen to the facts and reality, hmm. right? In fact, we see oftentimes the expired, you know, the homeowners have expired listings in this market will, will, will do, they'll overcome their own objections, right? You call them and they're like, well, you know, it ex we we didn't have it priced right. We probably had it priced high. Right. You're like, oh, okay. I can price it lower then, <laughs> right? Um, and it's that, and it's that it was marketed improperly. Hmm. You know, agents, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to offend a few people here, but um, we get lazy in a hot market. And so, oh, yeah. you know how many more iPhone pictures you see on the MLS right now? Because it's, you know, they're like, it's it's hitting the MLS and selling anyway.
1: Yep.
0: Right? So you get... You get people who are doing a poor job marketing properties and there are properties, there's tens of thousands of expired listings that are expiring every month and somebody is going after and getting that business.
1: Yeah, I think talking about what, what you were saying with new agents, what Jesse was asking for recommendations for new agents and talking to expired listings is, is a little intimidating maybe, uh, because like you said, they're, they're angrier, um, they're angrier homeowners. They're, they're frustrated that their home hasn't sold. Um, and, and so, and we have questions about call reluctance of, of course we, you and I, we, we talk to agents all the time that, that have that fear of picking up the phone. Um, But, but like you were saying, like they're a little bit more, I mean, they're, they're hot leads. They are ready. They want to, they have raised their hand and said, I want to sell my home. And so what are some of the the tips that you would give an agent who is maybe a little afraid to get on the phone with these people uh, <clears throat> with, with expired listings or even for sale by owners who also feel like, nah, I, I can do this on my own.
0: Okay. Great questions. There's a lot, there's a lot there. Um, so let me start with the call reluctance in that, um, I, there's, there's a book out there that I, I didn't love the book, but I find myself constantly quoting it. So if you wanted to read it, great. If not, I'm going to give you the best parts right now. It's called, it's called punch fear in the face and start. Mm. Right. And I read it just because the title was awesome. I know because I like that concept of punching fear in the face. So, um, in the book, it quotes a psychologist that works with musicians. And he said that most people's inner voice is negative. Or, you know, that, that's, that's just what he's found working with thousands of musicians that from the outside world think, man, these guys have all the money and fame and everything that you could ever want. And they have a negative voice. <clears throat> and that voice only tells you one of two things. You can't. Or you have to do it a hundred percent. Right? And what happens is you get on a webinar and and those dang marketers, Haley, right? They do a good job. You get, you know, I mean, there was a saying in the marketing world, the sales world that you sell with emotion and you close with logic, right? Yeah. So we're emotional, we're like, I could do this, I'm gonna be able to call these people, I'm signing up, and then you get the software and you open it up, and you're like, I got too much to do today. Yeah. Right. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to call Cut it off today. Right. Oh, what if they yell at me and oh, I got other things to do. Um, and then pretty soon you're paying for a service that you you're not using. Right. <laughs> um, but you get worked up and then that inner voice says, see, I told you, you couldn't like, it, it made you feel like you had to do it hundred percent. And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the the best answers that I've heard about, about, procrastination or call reluctance which is the same thing you're just procrastinating what you know you should be doing to grow your business is is that some is better than none you just have to do something hmm. you don't have to you don't have to believe the voice that if you don't call for an hour a day you just shouldn't do this like that that's a terrible thing in your head you don't have to be at zero or a hundred you could just try a few right? And we have some tools to help you. We have a role play system. If you don't know about that, call, you know, write into support at, you know, redx.com. And they'll give you a phone number that you can call and role play with somebody on the other end to help you gain confidence in the script and what you're saying,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah. Um, we also have scripts, which is the number one reason why you have reluctance is you are you don't know what to say. Right, not everybody wants to be wing it, right? Um, and and uh, I like winging it. Uh, even pre-show here, you said, "Hey, there's some questions about some things." I said, "Bring it." You know, we'll just we'll just wing it live, and we'll just see where it goes, right? Uh, but but that's that that is a skill that has been developed over time, right? And and so yeah, so the call reluctance that the scripts. And then I would say, when you're saying, well, what do they say? That is that is my answer to what are some tips or what we'd say. I would say it doesn't matter. <laughs> Go find a script and read it through, memorize it, practice it, and then change it however you want. You know, write your own script, but just have something that you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Right. I have known agents that were so afraid to call that all they did is have that book in front of them. Somebody said, hello, and they just started reading. And they did that enough times that they got appointments, mm-hmm. right. And it turned into business. So yeah. <clears throat> I, I think it's, it's just, you have to have a script that, and and say that over and over. And then once you start talking, you're going to hear objections and there's going to be the same objection. There's only you know, whatever it is, there's only 15 objections that you're ever going to hear on the phone. Then you go to the Red X blog and you find all of the content that's written where we interview top producing agents on how they overcome objections that, you know, and then you memorize those scripts.
1: Mm-hmm. And and something that I've I've realized as as I've researched top producers and I've written blogs and and scripts even is is that they're pretty simple. When you overcome an objection, it's it's like one line. It's it's something to try to get the appointment or something. It's really not super difficult. And I think just the fear of the objection is what gets in the way so many times. Instead of like finding a solution. Okay, if if somebody says. Um, they want me to reduce their commission. Okay. This is what I'm going to say in that situation because that objection comes up all the time. It's not new. These have been around since people, since agents have been around. So I like that. I also like that you said that some is better than none, because I think, I mean, even like working out, for example, going to the gym every single day is just when you haven't gone at all is a little, not feasible and you're going to get burnt out. And so I think the same thing with prospecting. If you go and you hit the phones like 8 hours a day every day, you're going to hate it. It's going to be miserable and you're going to be burnt out and and stop, yeah. right? At the end. So um and and I love that you said just gain confidence. There's 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 resources out there that can help you with call reluctance. It's just I mean, at the end of the day, it's just getting on the phone and just doing it because you know that it's going to produce results. And just getting on the phone is better than not. Even if you don't have the most perfect golden script in the whole world, it'll get there as as long as you have something to say. Right. Got that? Awesome. Yep. Okay. So a a very popular question that kind of ties into this as well that I want to ask you. A lot of people are asking about the accuracy of our of our data, of our phone numbers, things like that. Uh, Greg asked, "What percentage of phone numbers are accurate, and what do you do with wrong numbers?" And um, some people are even saying, "Like I got on a call session and had no, I had no right information." Um, and and I think you and I hear that all the time from agents because we we're talking to customers all the time and and trying to improve our product. But I would love to hear to hear your answer yeah. to some of those.
0: Um. My first one, again, I, I hope people don't tune, tune out to when I'll get kind of sciencey here, but um, stop making excuses. Um, they're, 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 there's a lot of gold when you prospect, but mm. sometimes you got to dig through a lot of dirt to find the gold. And, and you, you, have to, you, you have to get past that. Um, so that's the first answer. Uh, that doesn't satisfy anybody's question. So question of accuracy is um, we know from data studies in 2011. So for 12 years now, we have um, hired temp employees that make hundreds of thousands of phone calls to test data, to test algorithms. We have machine learning algorithms that take all that information and update our algorithm to deliver the best possible number to contact the lead. Uh, But until the number is actually called, nobody knows if it's the accurate phone number or not. Mm -hmm. So the question is, is how many times do I have to call before I talk to the right person? And that number's been proven over and over and over, even in our last study that was about six months ago, which is about nine, just under 10, 10 dials to have a conversation with the correct, with the right person Mm -hmm. um, is, is with the, our standard service. So yeah, you're going to call through of the other of the 10 dials that you're that you're calling. It doesn't mean they're wrong numbers. It means people don't pick up. But statistically, you're going to have conversations with about 10 percent of the dials that you make, which is why increasing the amount of dials you make through other tools and dialers is is um, encouraged because you shorten that time in between conversations that you're having. Um, so, uh the other thing that I think is really important, and the reason why a, new, a brand new agent, especially with call reluctance, should start with geo leads is, I mean, we we could go and pull story after story of people who got listings from the wrong number, right? It happens all the time. Um, and, and part of that is they know their script. They know what to say when it's not the right. So if you're expecting to talk to an expired listing and it's the wrong number, you can do one of two things. You could say, wrong number, I'm so sorry for calling, click. You could say, I'm Curtis Fenn with Red X Realty, you know, and I was trying to get a hold of somebody, but maybe Providence led me to you. Are you thinking about buying or selling or, you know, what neighborhood do you live in? You can turn that into an opportunity because at the end of the day, you should be looking at how many connections with people am I making because mm-hmm. that person can end up in your database and you don't know when that will turn into a, into a transaction. Right. So, so it's, we're always trying to form relationships. So take the wrong numbers and turn them into, into opportunities would be the other thing. But if people really want to know the sciency thing, yep. 10 to one, you're going to, you're going to dial about 10 numbers before you have a conversation with the human being that is associated with the, 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 the lead address.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think we, we actually just wrote a blog kind of about this stuff. And so I'll just put that in the chat for anyone that wants to go and kind of see more of the sciencey stuff behind it about connection rates, about uh, data, freshest data, stuff like that. Um, I just put in the notes, but um, I like that opportunity connections with people. Um, I I think, and we've heard this before, agents all the time is that they have a mindset of of when they're calling people they get on the phone and if they get a no or a wrong number it's just closer to that yes right and and so if you're just focused on that you're focused on okay i just need nine nos and then and then i'll get a yes um instead of focusing on like wow i just got nine nos right yep love it well um, and it's
0: not nine conversations before you talk to the right person don't i don't want people to be confused it is statistically you will talk to the right person, you know, dialing not 10 phone numbers.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a lot more conversations in 30-minute dialing session.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Hopefully you don't have to get through nine no's. Hopefully your script, you know, you just work on your script after that.
1: I mean, and and there's sometimes there's, there's better sessions than others. It's not always going to be the same. Um, and so maybe you have a lot more conversations in one than you do the other. Um, and so as long as you focus on the opportunity, uh, then, then it's great. Um, I do want to bring this up. Matt Fagioli actually asked a question. He said, honestly, how much Mountain Dew can a man drink safely?
0: Matt. (laughs) That, that comes from a story. He was in town and we went to dinner and, and we were at dinner for hours and they just kept refilling my glass. And then it's like, man, I, I couldn't fall asleep till like four in the morning. It's like, yeah, you drink like six gallons of Mountain Dew. So, so, hey, Matt, refills, man. how much red wine can a man actually drink? You know? <laughs> I love
1: it. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a few a uh, few minutes here, and and I wanted to get to David's question because I thought it was interesting. Uh, David asked, "How would you use Redex if you were a lender?"
0: Oh, uh, what a great question! Yeah. <coughs> so, um, we have all of the insight data, which would be critical for for a lender because it gives a lot of financial information, a lot of information about the property, um, a lot of interest information. We have filters that you could filter out. You know. All kinds of stuff based on length like of residency and equity positions and things like that. So, as a lender, the geo leads with all of the extra information that you can get. You can really filter that down to who you want to talk to about refis or try to get referrals or, you know, even length like of residency. Somebody just barely moved in. It's likely they're more likely to know other people who are um, in the similar situation because that's just what happens, right? As soon as you decided you were buying a house, it was like, oh, all of a sudden, everybody in your network started, they're doing the same thing. So to talk to somebody who just barely moved in their house, right, or is is a really great opportunity. So that's one. The other one is FISBOs. In this market, you know, it's hard. One of the challenges is that in a lot of markets, a FISBO really can get offers on their house, Right. I, yep. I know, that, you know I'm going to get slayed for saying that, but, um, <clears throat> but you know what a FISBO can't do. And, you know, besides what they can't do, why they need a professional real estate agent with all the paperwork and bad escrows and and everything else that an agent does. Um, but, you know, being able to partner with even a FISBO to pre-qual people who are coming in or, or to work with them is, is a really great, opportunity for a lender. So I love it. That's just two. There's lots more for lenders. Yes, so. That's
1: awesome. Well, we're we're at the end here. Uh, I think I got to some of the questions. Sorry if I didn't get to everybody's, but I think this has been really great past half an hour. Thanks so much, Curtis, for taking the time to come on here and talk to agents. This has been really great for me as well. Um, just Just to talk about some of the things that always come up. Um, yeah. and, and the answers to some of those that, that can help people, um, especially with, uh, a huge influx of new agents that we're seeing as well, that are, that are going to run into some of these, these same issues. So. Thanks so much, Curtis. I've, I've enjoyed this. Um, we'll definitely have you back on. I mean, we're just across the hall from each other. So this has been great. Uh, for everybody that is watching live, thank you so much for showing up live. This is great to have a live audience. If if you're listening to this afterwards, uh, thanks so much for watching or listening wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Um, of course, you can subscribe, like I said, to our YouTube channel. We also have a new Facebook group where we talk about things like this, about how to generate leads and how to convert leads and things like that if you just search the lead gen conversation on facebook join that new group it's awesome um you'll see me you'll see curtis in there as well so it's awesome but i think that is it for today we will see everybody back here same time same place next week